Caleb has our special this morning.
Bibles this morning, book of Luke, chapter 7, begin reading God's holy word here. Be staying in Luke for a while, for a couple Sundays. There are several events that take place right here in, in Luke. And uh, matter of fact, this happens right after the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has just got through preaching this awesome, life-changing message, which we just got through looking at. And so, let's stand for the reading of God's Holy Word. We're going to look at the wow factor. The wow factor. And, of course, if you've got a, a bulletin, you've uh, looked at that already, and you saw, well, what's, what's the wow factor? Well, according to this passage right here, Jesus noticed something about this fellow that caused him, talking about Jesus, he said, wow. He, he was blown away by what he saw in this individual. Luke 7, verse 1, the Word of God says, Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to see what your word says. And just like Caleb saying about the subject of surrender, that we would live a life of surrender. We give our heart to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's holy word. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, we enjoy uh, looking at is uh, a show called uh, The American Idol. There's a lot of singing contests now. I think it all started with American Idol, and now they've got uh, uh, The Voice and uh, several other popular uh, things like that. And all of these shows have uh, what the judges are, are judges that judge them. And, and all of these shows uh, talk about the judges will say, well, let's, you know, you sang great, you had great technicality, but there just wasn't the wow factor. You know, and there's a lot of singers out there that are really talented and a lot of talented individuals. And they'll say, I, we just won't. And, and it could be their talent. It could be their approach. Um, it could be um, their song selection. But you put it all together. You take a talented individual and they pick the right song. And they pick the, the right tempo and genre or whatever, and they put it all together, and the judges, they perform, and these talented individuals, and you just say, wow, that was an awesome performance. And you know, a lot of times, even we here at Promised Land have, uh, uh, now I'll use whether it be Caleb or Jordan or 
Miss Dana or any of other talented uh, singing people that we have. Just that we have, a, we're blessed with a lot of talented people. But I, I've seen uh, these individuals, Dana and Caleb and Jordan, all the others we have. Miss Marlene sang, De- Denise sang, just a ton of them. And you get up, and y'all know what I'm talking about. You'll sing, and it'll be good. But there's something about, and we know, of course, the Holy Spirit's working. It's just something, sometimes it's kind of like a, a professional baseball player. They get up there, and they can hit a single, and you, you say, well, they got on base. That's good. It's kind of like our, our uh, singing and, and even my preaching. I can hit a single. Then sometimes the singers... The preaching or whatever, and it'll just be a home run. It'll be, it'll knock it out of the park. And it'll just, and it's all a lot of, you know, especially in church, obviously it's the Holy Spirit, and we've prayed, and we've prepared, and we've done all this, and you're praying that the Lord's Holy Spirit will take that, and He'll knock it out of the park. But then it comes to your part. We see this guy here in this, and he hit it out of the park. He had a wow factor about him. Now, it doesn't really start off with a lot of bang, but it ends when Jesus says what he says about this fellow. Jesus says he knocked it out of the park. Jesus says this fellow hit a home run. Jesus said wow about this man. And so we're going we're gonna to notice some, some traits uh, about this fellow some traits about this man's character in his life. And so let's just take off with the very first trait that he had. The very first trait that he had was that he cared for others. He cared for others, and this is seen in several of the verses that we'll look at. Matter of fact, the very first verse that we'll look at, we haven't read as these people came running to Jesus, you know, they were begging for him to help him. This centurion servant, they said about this fellow, he loveth our nation, in verse 5, and he has built us a synagogue. Well, think about this. This, this verse says that this Roman military officer... Wait a second. Think about it. It's kind of like a captain. This captain, this centurion that's over a thousand guys at least. And he is compassionate. He's caring. And matter of fact, probably out of his own pocketbook has helped supply and help build these people a worship center, a synagogue. Matter of fact, Miss Francis has been there and several others in here. There's a synagogue, the remains of a synagogue. The very synagogue that Jesus walked into is the, at least the foundation part of it, is still there in Capernaum. So you can literally walk around in the same spot where Jesus walked into and he's talking about all of these things. The synagogue was not a temple, but a place for the Jews to worship when they, worship when they couldn't go to the temple and they would go there. Of course, for the reading of God's Word, and different rabbis or teachers would teach and instruct, and Jesus was often invited to teach, even though really they got offended whenever he did. 
So when he cared, and you think about this, not only did he care for all these people, and we'll dig more into that just a little bit later, but he cared in particular about this centurion. And the word servant there means literally slave. He cared for the slave. This, this man was probably started out, and he could have still been under this, in the Jewish system that if you... Uh, Sometimes because of money you owed or back taxes or whatever the case was, that you would become a bond slave to an individual. And so he became a slave to this centurion. He had a Jewish slave. Now, it could have, he could have still been under that heading, or he could have been a lot of times when they would work off their debt, they could choose to become a lifetime I just want to be your servant for the rest of my life. And I choose that willingly. I know I'm free, but I want to stay under you. And really, you know, that's our choice in your life. Before you're saved, did you know this? Before you got saved, you're a slave to sin. You have two choices in life if you want to use this analogy. You can be a slave to sin or a servant of Jesus Christ. Which one you want to pick? And so this fella is the centurion's what? Servant. So no matter what category, whether he's still trying to pay his debt off or he's he's a free but choosing, willing servant of this centurion, this slave became so close or vice versa, this centurion became so close to this individual that he said, what do I need to do? He's sick. He's going to die. What do I need to do to help him out? So he was a caring person. Folks, there's many of you that you may say that you're caring, but a real caring person, he cared enough to risk ridicule. He cared enough to risk action. And he cared enough to risk cost. These three things, if you care for people, you want to help people, and it doesn't matter what others say. Say, well, man, you're just kind of an old softy. Well, It doesn't matter because I care for this person. And if you really care, you'll go out of your way to help people. That means you'll literally do something. You you can say you care all day long, but until you put it in action, then you really don't care. And then cost that's involved. There's, of course, the famous story about the uh, good Samaritan who was not a Jew. The hero of the story is a half-breed. He's half-Jew and half-Samaritan. And Jesus makes him out to be the hero. But remember the cost that he had to rescue the man that fell among thieves. And so looking at this this morning, this fellow, what is his first trait? If you want to get God's attention and God to say, wow, about you, you have to care for others. All right, next, he had a positive impact on others you know and in our text of course he 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 cared for people he cared for enough to build them a synagogue and and that's good and then you know by investing in other people to have a positive impact i you know right now there's uh several, we have several school teachers in our church and i'm and I'm really thankful for that. Matter of fact, my oldest child, Taylor, is going to college. She's trying to finish up at SAU to be a school teacher and a basketball coach. And 
one of the things that, you know, and she says, well, I, I know they don't make a huge, teachers don't make a huge amount of money, but I want to have a positive impact on young people. And did you know all of us have either a positive or a negative impact on others? The impact that this fellow had, and by the way, you cannot have an impact on anybody without investing in them. Investing, most of the time you invest your time in people. That you actually, uh, whether it be a phone call, and today a lot of times a text or whatever, that you contact people. And this man invested in this man's life. Matter of fact, according to the whole scene, he invested a lot of time to, to lead the building of a synagogue and to help them. And notice here, let's back up to verse 4. In verse 4, it says, And when they came to Jesus, now that's all these Jewish people, these the Jewish elders and different ones, they came to Jesus and they besought him instantly, that means immediately, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. If, if I'm having a positive impact in people, think about this. Do you know right now that uh, you've got friends that if you needed Somebody to give you a, uh, I, especially being a pastor, I get I get this a whole lot, uh, brother Michael, and and I don't mind doing it at all. Somebody says, "What he's is he? What's he trying to say?" By the way, you know, uh, there's an old adage. You know, if, if if my wife is telling me something, it's just something about she's expecting me to read between the lines when the, she tells me something. And, uh, but ladies, I just want to go ahead and tell you this. Husbands don't get it. Okay. They don't read between the lines. They don't get it at all. So if you need them to know something, you're just going to have to tell them because we don't get it. It just, whoop, it goes right over our head. All right. But if I tell her something, there's no ulterior meaning. <laughs> there's no in between the lines. There's no hidden message there. Okay. There's just, I'm just, that's just the way it is. And think about this, and so there's no hidden message here, but a lot of times people ask me, well, Brother Michael, will you give me a letter of recommendation? Okay, I'm going to a new job, new this, new that. Okay, yeah, I will. And uh, this fella had such a good reputation among the Jewish people that they he didn't have to, would you, could you please go talk to Jesus and see if he'll come and heal my servant. They were so excited to help their friend. According to that verse there, think about that. Do you have a friend that, in other words, you've invested, you've invested so much in the people, you've been a good friend to others, you've tried to help other people, you've tried to mentor them. If they needed a ride, you you go out of your way. You've invested, and that's what this fellow did. He invested in these Jewish people so when they had a chance to return the favor or act of grace, according to this verse, what'd they go? When they got to Jesus, these friends of the centurion, because we're going to get to how he felt, he didn't even feel worthy to go to Jesus. These friends went up to Jesus, and what they say? He's worthy. Our friend, this centurion, this Roman drill sergeant, he is worthy 
for, to, for you to come heal his servant. He's a worthy guy. He's, man, we love our friend. Now, when I get to investing and you think about this, number one, you're to care for others if you want to get God's attention. Number two, you're into, to invest in others. Investing in others means you help them, that you encourage them, that you help them out. If you have a friend that you want to help, there's two ways we can help people. There's physically, mostly, there's, you know, you can help somebody emotionally or mentally by listening to them, kind of like a friend being a counselor. But there's two ways, basically, you know, if somebody needs, I say, you know, I tell Trey, well, hey, I'll weed eat your yard. You, you mow and this and that. We help each other out. You help and I say, will you hold this board while I cut it or something? That's helping somebody physically. Will you help me move a piece of furniture? We can, matter of fact, we got a phone call the other day to move a piece of furniture, didn't we? And to load it up. And, uh, so, you know, so us preachers, we wear many hats, okay? <laughs> furniture moving business. So all of these things that we can do to help each other. But think about this. Think about this. You can help people physically and you also help people spiritually. Think about this. You're standing before the Lord on Judgment Day. On Judgment Day, you're standing before the Lord. And right beside you are how many friends that say, If my friend wouldn't have told me about Jesus, I'd be in hell today. That's a good friend. It's one thing to hold a board or move a piece of furniture for somebody. I thank the Lord for friends like that. But what if you're you're the what if you're the kind of friend that'll bend over backwards, you'll drive halfway across the United States to bail somebody out of trouble. But what if you never tell them about Jesus? That's falling a little short of being a true friend. You can say a little or a lot, however how you want to say it. You know what I mean? There's one kind of friend to help me out whenever I need physical help. Or if I need just an encouraging word, that's a good friend. And I thank the Lord for that friend. But there's another kind of friend that says, let me tell you about Jesus. And that when you get to heaven and you're up there at Judgment Day, they're up there right beside us. Thank you, friend, for telling me about Jesus. I would not be here. I'd be in hell right now. And that's the kind of friend we need. And that's what, that's what he was. Matter of fact, his faith was life-changing. His faith changed his life, and his faith ran off on others. That's the kind of fellow he was. Very next passage, we see he was an humble man. In verse 6, then Jesus, he went with them. Now, who's he with? These, remember, these friends, these Jewish friends of the centurion. So Jesus said, sure, I'll go. I'll go heal him. I see how much he means to you. You've got a good friend, and he's a Roman centurion? Yeah. And let's go. Jesus was, he was went with, went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent some more friends. How many friends does this fellow have? Apparently a lot. 
He's a good guy. He sent more friends, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wow. Matter of fact, let's just read the first half of 7. It says, Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. So in other words, he wasn't saying, I'm too busy to come see you. He didn't even feel worthy for to go see him. And he didn't feel worthy enough for Jesus to come to his house. So this fellow, he's, he's humble. And you say, well, I, I don't really know if I'm humble or not. What do you mean, Brother Michael, by humble? Well, we'll get to that. You know, because this is something you can prove them. Jesus prayed, or excuse me, the disciples told Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. So according to my Bible and yours, if you read it, it says our faith can go up and down. Did you know your humility can do the same thing, whether you're humble or not? Now, uh, humility, there's a false idea of humility, a false idea... Well, I'm just a poor, just rotten sinner. I'm just, I'm no good. I'm just, that's not being humble. That's thinking less of yourself. Don't think less of yourself. And that means if you think of yourself as any good, it's because of Jesus. Now, that's a healthy self-esteem. I'm okay because of what Jesus did for me. So it's don't put yourself down. I'm just, you know, just run yourself. That's not humility. Thinking less of yourself. Real humility is just thinking of yourself less. Not as much. Put others ahead of you. Think of others more. Does that make sense? That's humility. Matter of fact, true humility, if you want to carry it all the way, and that's what this fellow did, being humble means that you recognize other people. And what they think is important. Does that make sense? Let me, you know, and it doesn't mean that I'm always going to agree with your idea or your opinion. But an humble person will say, let me listen. You know, a prideful person, I don't care what you say. I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm always right. You're always wrong. It's just, you know. And so it's thinking, being not humble means I think a lot of myself. So the opposite is true. And this fellow was, this fellow was humble according to this. He was, that's what he said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. He, and more, more important than thinking of others as important, he recognized Jesus for who he was. Now let's just, let's just stay there for a second. <clears throat> I want to say this right now. Don't think this was not a roll of the dice. This was not a shot in the dark. Jesus was not saying, well, I tried methylate and I tried Epsom salt and I just can't get anything to work on this fella. I just can't get him. I tried band-aids and just nothing's working. So you know what I think I'll do? I just think I'll give this Jesus fella a shot. Mm -mm. That's not what we read here in these verses. This was not a shot in the dark. I want you to think very clearly about this. 
Because if this was a shot in the dark, what this means, think about this. If he's thinking this, well, let's just really put him to the test and see. Because if he asks Jesus, if, if Jesus is just a man and he's asking him to come heal a servant by just speaking a word, it's going to make the centurion look more like a fool and Jesus a charlatan. He wasn't risking becoming a fool. The other thing is this. If Jesus was who he said he was, then what right did he even have to ask anything at all? That's why he, you see the attitude that he had. I, think about this. Think about this. Why did he respond? Why did he treat Jesus that way? Because he, he recognized who Jesus was. The Son of God. The Savior the Messiah, this Roman had believed what the Jews, what he had heard about Jesus. He had, I think, he had trusted Jesus and accepted Jesus as Messiah and realized he was the Son of God. That's why he said what he said about him. I'm not worthy because I know who you are. We'll see his, more, matter of fact, we'll see his faith even more demonstrated in just a second. So, he was an humble guy. And then... He had great faith. That's the last point. <laughs> he had great faith. The very last part, this is pretty awesome when you break it down. It's pretty cool. Look at chapter 7. The, I mean, excuse me, chapter 7, verse 7. The very last part, he said, But say, don't come under my roof, I'm not worthy, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. He said, I am a man set under authority, and I have under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And matter of fact, he turned to the, the group that was with him, and what did he say? I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now you're talking about a compliment from Jesus. Now I want to go back to that just say a word. Think about that. Whenever he says just say a word, you know, the this is the same voice that according to Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, the Bible says there for it was through him through Jesus that the world came into existence. Did you know that God spoke through His Son? According to Colossians 1.16, it was through Him, through Jesus, that the worlds came into existence. The voice of Jesus spoke the world into existence. Matter of fact, if you keep looking in this same section, you find out that it was this same voice that raised the dead. Raised the dead... <clears throat> Matter of fact, the very next uh, verses, in verses 11 through 17, you find out that the widow's son was raised from the dead. And then, what about Jairus' daughter? Jesus never went to a funeral. <laughs> you say, yeah, he did. He went to that. But it wasn't a funeral when he got there. <laughs> it was a celebration. It was a, a raising from the dead. So this voice not only spoke the world into existence, this voice not only said... Your son's going to live. Your daughter's going to live. And then that very famous passage in John chapter 11 where he said, uh, Lazarus, 
Come on out of there. And he got up. Oh, he's stinking. We don't need to roll the stone away. He's stinking. He's been dead four days and four nights. I got this. Roll that stone away. What did he say? All you have. I believe in you so much and I know who you are. You're the son of God. I've got faith in you and all you've got to do is what? What did he say? Just say a word and my servant will be healed. Now that's powerful. That's great faith. The same voice that did all these great things spoke a word. His faith, the faith of this centurion, not only had the wow factor, the same voice told the thief on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Your sins are forgiven. Folks, I don't know about you, but when you got saved, Jesus said from heaven, your sins are forgiven. Amen. When you got saved, your sins were forgiven. If you really got saved from the far as this, from the east, from the west, you got saved. If you're saved. And all these other things come into being. This fellow's faith not only changed his own life, but it changed the lives of others. Matter of fact, think about it. If it wasn't for the faith of this guy, that servant would have kicked the bucket. Boom! Kicked the bucket. Died. What does this mean? The way you live your life has an impact on other people. The way you live your life can have... Listen, you can have a physical impact. Help each other all day long. I get stuck in the mud. I've called everybody that's got a four-wheel drive to pull me out. And praise the Lord for that. But folks, what about people that are stuck in sin? There's only one fellow got a truck to pull you out. And his name's Jesus. He's the only one that can pull you out of that mud hole. Literally mud hole. That mud hole is called sin. So help each other all day long, but what kind of friend are you if you never tell anybody about your Savior? Let your faith have an impact on other people. As a matter of fact, his faith got God's attention. In that very last verse that we looked at, Two things happen. Two things happen. Wouldn't it be great? Jesus looks around and says, Did y'all see his faith? That was awesome. Matter of fact, he bragged on it so much that he said what? I haven't seen anybody have that kind of faith. That's what he said, didn't he? And he's a Roman. I haven't seen anybody in Israel in the whole country. From Mediterranean Sea over all the way to the east. I haven't seen anybody have faith like him. There's a lot of stuff we need to work on, isn't it? What were the four things he had? He was a caring person. He invested in others. He was an humble guy. And he had great faith. 
as we prepare for a hymn of invitation. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, <clears throat> you're thinking, I, I'm saved, I'm a church member, but I haven't been living like I should. I need to start, I need to get off the fence, start living for the Lord. We can't straddle the fence and say, I, I, like, I want to be friends in the world and I want to be friends with Jesus. We, we can't. We, we, we have to choose Him first. Doesn't mean we can't have lost friends. Jesus is a friend with a bunch of lost people. That's the way He had an impact on them. It means to have an impact on them. Our faith has an impact on others. Father, I thank You for this opportunity. Thank You for Your Word. There's somebody here that needs to make a decision this morning. They'll just give it, give everything they've got to You. In Jesus' name, Amen.